This is The Guardian. I'm Grace Dent and this is Comfort Eating from The Guardian. A podcast where we pay homage to the lesser celebrated foods in life. Because even as a restaurant critic, I believe the food that matters most is often that snack you cobble together when you're curled up on the sofa. Each week, I ask my guest to lift the lid on what comfort foods have seen them through their lives. Because you can tell a lot about a person from what they eat behind closed doors. just microwaving a mug of custard. Since this is our last episode of the season before Christmas, I'm giving a nod to Yuletide and concocting a rather saucy little festive snack. Absolutely delicious. It's the final episode of the run. It went very quick, didn't it? Have you heard the rest? If not, go and listen right away. You could start with Nadia Hussain's episode where... I don't want to brag, but she did tell me she wanted to paddle with me in a rock pool of melted butter. Or you could try John Ronson's episode where he revealed that he used to hide in hedges. And then there's Jamie Demetrio's episode where he confessed that he had only recently eaten his very first egg. Not a word of a lie. Absolutely true. Go and listen to it. Our guest today is none other than the American singer-songwriter... And actor, it's Gregory Porter. I can't quite believe I'm saying that. He's coming to my house. I'm a tiny bit starstruck, if I'm honest with you. Gregory Porter has been Grammy nominated no less than seven times. He has twice won for Best Jazz Vocal Album, winning millions and millions of fans across the world. He's toured almost nonstop for the last decade. You might have seen him on your TV screens, on Strictly, Glastonbury, Jules Holland, Graham Norton, all the greats. Now, he's an all-American, smooth-talking musical legend. You might also know his iconic headgear, that black Kangol hat with the ear flaps, like everything he does. He nails that look. He's got an album coming out called Christmas Wish. So I'm having a little morsel of a mince pie. Just a little mince pie for Gracie to accompany this custard to get me in the mood. It's going to be here soon. I better go on with it. Here we go. I am plopping the mince pie into the lake of custard. Oh, look at that. Oh, I love custard. I love mince pies. Mmm. Mmm. Oh my God, Grace, stop, stop, stop. This is season now. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love 
and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. Gregory Porter, welcome to Comfort Eating. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. You are originally from California. These days... You live back in the golden state with your family. Sunshine is part of your DNA. Yeah. Please, can you tell me, however, some things that you are loving about the British wintry weather? Well, you know, I actually like the power of weather. And um, I I don't mind the rain. It just gives me a certain feeling. But have you ever got back to your hotel room um, at the end of the night with just entirely damp socks, which Ab- is our natural state here? Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not saying I love that. I didn't say <laughs> I love all things. All the water gathers on the side, then you just get completely covered by a bus. Yes, that's, that has happened to me. Walking to a nice dinner at a nice place, <laughs> and I got splashed. Because I'm confused as to which side you guys are driving on anyway. <laughs> We're confused. So I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> And this bus, it got me good. I mean, good. Filthy water, too. And I went to dinner like this. Did you just style it out? I was just like, you know what? This is how we're going to do it. It is that time of the podcast where I find out what my celebrity guest has brought me as their favorite comfort food. I do not know what is under this tea towel. Okay. Gregory Porter, (laughs) please unleash the snack i'm working on that as a slogan i don't know if it's going to work unleash the snack (laughs) thank you okay explain what's in front of me please okay well uh, this would be a cappuccino and my sneaky late night snack uh, which is chocolate chip cookies what we've got in front of me is one enormous chocolate chip cookie and then three smaller ones and then a kind of vanilla one that's got chocolate chips in it which one which instinctive one would you go for first uh, I, I go for the traditional you're one of those maniacs <laughs> that on a night just when you're feeling lovely and sleepy and cozy you got i'll tell you what i'll have a macchiato i can sleep on coffee can you yeah yeah do you not just lie in bed like Thinking, oh my God, I've got to play the Albert Hall, like worrying about things. <laughs> that's, all, that's early morning. I'll wake up at 4 a.m. and worry about things like that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. When did you start eating chocolate chip cookies? Well, <laughs> my brother, he had this girlfriend in, in junior high, and she came over and they made chocolate chip cookies mm. together. And I'm sure I had a chocolate chip cookie before that. But mm. He's my older brother. Mm-hmm. Did I kind of have a crush on my brother's girlfriend? <laughs> You're allowed to. <laughs> yeah. And, and suddenly, beautiful girls in your house. Yeah, yeah. The beautiful girl mm-hmm. in my house making cookies. And I got some too. And then it turned into, like, oh, that's my favorite cookie. 
You're currently on world tour, performing at some of the most beautiful venues across the planet, Kennedy Center, Royal Albert Hall. Now, I don't want to embarrass you, but I'm going to. Your voice has been described, wait for it, as a creamy baritone that flows thick and smooth across a rich gatto of juicy melody. It's a food podcast. Wow. (laughs) How do you keep the cream flowing? Something that doesn't go with cream so much, but ginger, honey, and lemon. I do that um, before the show. I try to get enough sleep, but it can be difficult traveling. Yeah. Some years I have 250 shows a year, and so I'm traveling hard. How do you stop getting ill? Because everybody wants to talk to you. Everybody wants to hug you. People are trying to kiss you. How do you do all these dates? I don't know. So you, you, no, this is it. My I, exactly as you're speaking, the answer is you are superhuman, aren't you? You've basically got some constitution that just yeah. somebody comes and splutters near you, and your body yeah. says, "Not today." No, but let me tell you something that happens. This is an interesting thing that happens: is when I'm recovering from a cold, mm. there is a richness in my voice that's even <sighs> more so than yeah. my regular voice, and so. Yeah, I kind of like to step to the microphone after yes. I've had a little cold because my low is really low. I can, you know, old man river. I mean, it's just yeah. rich and flowing. When you're not touring, home is Bakersfield. In South Central California. I've been to Bakersfield. Wow. I was, it was my first ever trip to America. It was about 99. And I was coming back from Vegas. Did you say it was your first trip to America? It was my first ever trip to America. Wow, okay. And I was coming back from Vegas. And we were driving back to to San Francisco. It was a road trip. (laughs) Yeah. And we arrived in Bakersfield. (laughs) And I, I was just a young woman you know with a load of people in a car and i remember getting changed in a burger place carlo uh-huh. would it be in and out yes there would be did they in-and-out. have in and out yes yeah mm-hmm. so i've been to bakersfield and all i've done is been to an in and out <laughs> is there other things to do there <laughs> funny funny enough in and out is one of the more exciting things that you can do in bakersfield there's <laughs> always a huge line everybody loves in and out you grew up there in the 70s you're one of eight children yeah. You were raised by your mom. Dad wasn't largely around. Um, how, and I'm always fascinated whenever people come on here with big families, because I was from a little family. How does your mom manage to feed eight children? Yeah, this is what's amazing to me. She, she fed us well. I remember uh, extraordinary meals. Mm. I don't take good care of myself as a grown man and she took such great good care of all eight of us yeah plus other people plus our friends <laughs> plus cousins plus you know she was uh, fantastic in the kitchen she comes from a family seven boys and seven girls there was right. 14 of them and she was one of the older daughters so she was cooking a lot she she had all of this magic that she would do with one pot dishes okay you know mom would Come home, we'd be at the door, 
the little ones would be like, Mom, there's nothing in the yes, kitchen. Nothing. There's nothing, nothing to eat. <laughs> nothing to eat. Just hold on, baby. Let me see what's going on. You know, there would be a couple of frozen pieces of bacon in the yes, freezer, yes. A, a bag of rice, a can of peas, some seasonings, and, you know, half stick of butter. And we're like, there's nothing here. 45 minutes later, this magic, <laughs> you know. She also would do this thing, you know, it's like, if there wasn't enough, she always had this trick. You can make a gravy for anything. There's two pieces of chicken and there's eight children. We'll make a gravy and we'll break those two pieces of chicken up. And now you have a gravy to go over the mashed potatoes. She informs all of my cooking. Yeah. Most of my music. And who I am as a man. So, yeah. um, you know, she's she gave me a lot and I'm, I'm still using it. Yeah. So condiments, fundamental to the main event in um, American food. So we're thinking mustard, ketchup, mayo. Do you have these things on the table when you're growing up? Ketchup, but mostly hot sauce, Louisiana style hot yeah. sauce. My mother's from Louisiana. So yeah, that's got to be on the table. I mean, I think I put that on any and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I asked the controversial questions on this podcast. Do you think that condiments like hot sauce, ketchup, etc., do they store <laughs> in the fridge? Answer carefully, and I'll take your first answer. <laughs> 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 and I want to understand your answer, so please show your workings. You know what? Because you do what your older brothers and sisters did, so I'll say yes. I put them in the refrigerator. I almost don't know why I do it. I like very soft butter, but I always put the butter in the refrigerator. That's just a world of pain, Gregory. What are you doing that for? That means every time you go to use the butter, it'll be shredding the bread. I have a technique. I slice the butter very, very thin, and it just melts on the bread. Do you ever try to melt the butter over the toaster just oh. to try and make it? Oh, yeah. Just we... to, you know, that is, I've been told that's a fire hazard. Yeah, and yeah. And I really shouldn't. We've done that. Oh, yeah. I've done that many a time. We've done that all the same, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you put a piece of buttered bread inside of the toaster. The You've toaster, done that before, too. In the toaster. We, ladies and gentlemen, don't do that, don't please. Do it. Don't, don't, no. Wow, you just, you, you Go on. it's so funny. It's just a simple conversation, right? Yeah. You just brought this memory, this memory just of, of uh, I remember calling my mother. I remember uh, sitting, sitting on the counter. For some reason, we had to get up on the kitchen counter to call my mother. I don't know why. <laughs> when I was particularly little, calling her at work, and I was like, Mom, I want something like a dessert. I want something sweet. And she was like, okay. And I remember getting white bread. Yeah. And she said, put hard cold butter yeah. on the bread and sprinkle sugar yeah. on on the bread. And uh, she's like, you'll enjoy the taste of the cold butter and the crunchy sugar. Yeah. And I remember taking a bite. And then she, 
she described what it was going to be like. And I was like, wow, this is, and I was really little. Yes. It's a cold butter. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic memory. Yeah. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Grace Dent here. One more thing. If you love comfort eating, then you'll love my new book, Comfort Eating, What We Eat When No One's Looking. It's available order now. There's an e-book and an audiobook if you want me to read it to you. With chapter headings like Why Butter Makes Everything Better and Why Potatoes Are Proof of a Higher Power, How Can You Resist? Comfort eating is packed with funny, moving stories about my family and my childhood, as well as recipes and stories about recording the show. I love that you say that your mum was feeding miscellaneous people. How did that happen? Was she quite known in your community? Yes, very much so. She was a minister. And we had a cafe uh, called Jiffy Cafe in Bakersfield. And it was very busy because she was always giving food away. She, <laughs> we gave more food away than we sold. Not great for business, really. No. But it's... She would make these interesting sandwiches that weren't on the menu up yeah. front. Some slice of a, a you know, roast meat. Yes. Uh, in between two pancakes. Yes. Just something Just to keep you to, alive. Right. And and they were really good because she was so creative and creative out of the box. Whatever she needed to do to feed people. Yeah. yeah. We talk about food on this podcast a lot being linked to love. and But with you, I think your story more than ever, it's like food is really bound up in love and kindness for you, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Her desire to be a person who who fed the hungry and helped people with housing and clothing, her desire to do that, I mean, she had to have a foot soldier, so her eight children, we were her work crew, and we were often the ones that would, you know, t- take the bag out of the car and deliver it to the front porch, uh, take the plate over to mother so-and-so's house or whatever. Yeah. And so even though we didn't, prepare the meal or curate the box or the bag we were the delivery boy yeah. and, or delivery girl and there was some great feeling in that as well how did you not end up as a minister 
Well, if you listen to my music, somehow, I think, I, I, I told my mother, I was like, Mama, I don't know if I, I don't, I don't think I want to be a preacher. And she was like, that's, that's okay, son. I remember we were riding in her, her car and I said, Mama, I want to be a singer. Yeah. But I, I like gospel music, but I, I want to sing about love. And she said, baby, it's okay. God made love and you can sing about it. Yes. And she, it's so funny, these conversations. I remember what street I was on. I remember what height I could see on the dashboard. I was eight years old. And it was such an important conversation that even informs the content of my music right now. She would take me when she would go to preach at other churches she, she, in the middle of her sermon, she was like, I wonder would my son Gregory come and sing a song? Of course, there was no wondering. I had to sing. <laughs> <Yeah. So, laughs> even if sing? I didn't want. What was the one that you, if you had to just write, just go now, what, what, is, what was that one? Something beautiful, something good. All of my confusions he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful of my life. I used to shake up the church with, 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 with the songs, but I never felt internally powerful. I, I, I always felt like the power of music, and I still feel that way. It's like this thing that's separate from me. And I'm just like a thing that delivers it, you know? Paint a picture of what you were like about 13, 14 years old. What, what were you like? I was a good athlete. I was really tall. At 13, I was about six foot tall. I had this growth spurt. And I was singing, singing a lot. I was using music as a healer and a diffuser. Being six foot tall, sometimes people thought I was older than I was. Yes, yes. And somehow I had to diffuse myself as a threat. Yes. And often I would use songs to do that. So if right. I was walking behind a lady who was clutching her purse or something yeah. like that, and I'm singing, in her own sweet world, populated by dolls. If, if I'm giving out this good energy, then they know it's like, okay, that's, that's, that's not a threat. That's a, just a good young man. I was, in a way, diffusing people's negative feelings that they might have had about me. In your late teens, you graduate from high school. You go to college in San Diego on a full athletic scholarship. Okay, this must have been quite the step from home. You're on the coast, beautiful beaches, surfing. You're on the border mm. of Mexico. Mm. I mean, this isn't Bakersfield, is it? This is not Bakersfield, right. I remember going to visit San Diego. It was my first time on a plane. And everything was just so green and beautiful flying into the city. And um, once I was going to school there, I remember missing those things that made home home. And so that's really when I, I got into to cooking uh, because I wanted to replicate the feeling and the smells of home. It was probably missing my mother. Yeah. Most people get to university 
and what we live on is cereal, pop tarts, yeah. uh, and things that we buy from twenty four hour garages. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting the feeling this wasn't happening with you. No, I, I never, I never got down like that. I was cooking quite grown up meals. I mean, yeah. you know, collard greens, and I, I remember, <laughs> I remember being in my college uh, apartment sharing it with four other people, and I just cooked a turkey in the middle of. They were like, what's the occasion? What did your roommates think of this? What did they say? Um, Well, they enjoyed the meal, but either they came from from households where the kitchen was made to look at because they were like, there's grease flying in the air. And there's, you know, I was like, yeah, that's what happens when you fry chicken, you know? (laughs) So I would, they would get upset at me because, you know, I was really trying to recreate. So there's, you know. Bloody cut up chicken over here. There's flour all over the counter over here. Bushels of greens soaking in the sink. And I'm like, what is this? I just came in here to make a tea. But I was really using the kitchen um, in my college years. I think you're really brave to, to go, to go to college and move and leave because it feels to me like you were a bit of a homebird. Yeah. You know, yeah. you loved your mom. You loved being with your brothers and sisters. Yeah, yeah. You loved yeah. the cooking. You loved yeah. everything. Yeah. And it, you it, felt secure there. You know, mm-hmm. you had your ways, your coping mechanisms in going down the street and singing and going delivering food. And, and then you left. Yeah. Well, it, it was interesting. It was a very difficult uh, time because my mother was diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. Um, end of my freshman year yeah. in, in, in college. And... There was a desire for me to go back and take care of her and be there for whatever she needed. But she was just always saying, no, no, yeah. no, stay in school. Keep, you know, keep doing what you're doing. You're talking about being torn and pulled in two different directions. You want to be next to her, but she's telling you to stay in school. That's what's most important. But it was, you know, and even to this day, it even happened to me the other day. I was like, what if? How would I feel now if I'd have, you know, just taken off a, a year and, and and gone back to take care of her? You know? So you still feel, even though she told you to not come back, mm-hmm. you still feel as if you should have gone and. Well, because I know I was I was special to her, and and we had a we had a just a really close intimate relationship, and we could talk about anything. I was serious, serious. Mama's boy, if you couldn't tell. You Do know. <laughs> your brothers and sisters say you were the favorite? This is the hip thing about Are my you mother. the favorite? This is the hip thing that my mother did. She told me, she said, Gregory, if it wasn't a sin to have a favorite child, you would be my favorite child. So, now listen to this. So this, at the, at the, uh, the dinner, the reception after my mother had passed away, uh, you know, we're, we're all talking and we're sitting at the table and we're like she's like you know I, I t- all my brothers and sisters we're, we're, we're trying to be celebratory of her life and yeah, it was like, yeah. I, like brothers and sisters I just want to let you know that mother said about me if it wasn't a sin to have a favorite child <laughs> and then my sister finished the sentence you would be my favorite child yeah she said that to me and then the other brother said she said that to me she said, and she, she had said it to all of us but she meant it most for me. She meant it with yeah. you, though. <laughs> but she said to all of us, it's, you know. 
So at college, there are two big things happening at the same time. Your newfound freedom. And then there's your mum's illness. And that's pulling you in different directions. But there's another huge thing happening at this time, and that's music and the development of your voice. How does that happen? The thing that helped me with with my mother's situation about her, in a way, slow decline, but health decline because of cancer, was music. And so I started to go to uh, jam sessions and different theater groups, trying to find a way to vent and express myself emotionally. And I think because I've always used music as an emotional outlet, people are always like, what is this thing in your voice? What is this? This emotion is what you hear. I'm, I'm only coming from that place. Music is emotion for me, not the lines and dots. And you, but you're cooking as well, aren't you? Are you, co- are you cooking and singing? What, what's <laughs> yes, this? I am. Yeah, what is this thing that's happening? <laughs> yeah, after college, I get a job working in the kitchen at the Chopra Center as a prep. And whilst there at a famous meditation center, something extraordinary happens. Tell me about it. Yes. Uh, yeah. Rosa Parks, a uh, great uh, civil rights icon, came to oh, uh, the Chopra Center. And I I just, I had to sing for her. I said, I, you know, <laughs> I have no, I have no, no, no gift worthy of royalty, but here it is. This is what I have. And we, we her us. favorite song happened to be my mother's oh, favorite song, you know, His Eyes on the Sparrow. So I sang for her, and it was one of the biggest uh, gifts, um, you know, that music has ever given me. I think, um, yeah, it was really just a really special moment for me. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows fall? Why should my heart feel lonely? And long for his heavenly home With Jesus as my portion A constant friend is he For his eye is on the sparrow And I know he watches over me Yeah how did Rosa Parks react? It was beautiful. It, she lit up and um, she was like, come here, come here, baby. And I, <laughs> she took my hand and was like, that was wonderful. It was, I, that's my favorite song, too. You sang it so beautifully. She said, yes, baby. I was like, I carry that with me, yeah. If this was the movie of your life then, from you would immediately hang up your apron and never cook again, yeah. right? <laughs> So, and from that moment on in the movie of your life, you would then just pursue a, a future in music. Is that what happened? This, let me tell you what happened at the place where I worked. Because I did everything. After peeling potatoes, I would have to take the trash out. I mean, I was, they, they were like, I, I feel so strange, you know, making you take the trash out with a talent like that. And I was like, you know, this is where I am at the moment. But they started to treat me different, and and they started to let me go out on auditions. My employers wanted to get me 
yes. into what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. And that happened. I, I ended up uh, joining a musical. It's a massive leap from that to your first CD of your voice. And this kind of suddenly happens. Well, it is a sudden moment that took 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. To, to happen. Be a 20 yeah. year overnight success. Yeah. Because it really, the start of a music career is really a bunch of ups and downs. It's like something's happening, nothing's happening for yeah. months or years. Something's happening, you know, you're just waiting for that moment to take off. And at the point at which I said to myself, I'm just going to be me. I'm going to stop looking for somebody to come and make me yeah. and, and create me. And the moment that I kind of just not gave up, at the moment I said, this is me. That was the moment that uh, I really started to excel. I found my voice. Now, one particular female fan, her name's Victoria. On your first ever tour overseas, she got to meet you and you married her. What happened? Mm, wow, yeah. That is true, yes. Um, I was touring in Russia. This was many years ago. And I was singing a song, a heartbroken song. And I, I remember this you know, girl standing off to the side, really pretty eyes, kind of watering up. It's a small club in Moscow. And uh, after the show, I got to meet her. And anyway, we stayed friends. We were... Yeah friends for several years. And then she came to New York City about maybe four or five years after I met her, and she needed a tour guide just to show her around. Tour guide and security. And I, <laughs> and I was that. And that's, that's, the, that's the moment where the sparks really happened. No man offers to be your tour guide and security unless he thinks you're very pretty. Right, I right, do not right. believe this was an entirely platonic tour guide offer. No, I was thinking, well, maybe, you know, I did find out that she had, had, had recently broken up with her partner. So I was yeah. like, hmm, okay, well. That was so kind she of needs you a, to she help needs a tour. She needs a tour guide. This lady's name is Victoria. Did yep. you woo her with food? I did. I did. Um, I think when she when she came to New York the first time, I think I probably made borscht that first time. And I, and I was, had you made it before? I, ha I had made it before. I I learned how to make it in Russia. Uh, yeah, the proper way. The moment you'd have made the borscht, I'd have known. That's proper. Yes, yeah, she did. She she was um she was shocked that it tasted right and um yeah. I'll keep this one on. I, I mean, I don't know if it was a bowl of soup that made her completely change her life and <laughs> move to a different land and change her language because at the time, I don't really know how we communicated. When we first met, she didn't speak ten words of English. We communicated with a few words, some Michael Jackson lyrics, and. Sign language. <laughs> the, the very first time I gave her a compliment was a Michael Jackson lyric, PYT. You know, and, and I, I love it. as soon as I like the way we connected was, where did you come? You know, if, yeah. it, 
and who won't you take me back? You know. <laughs> so she would, she could. That's the way we could talk. I would sing the few lyrics. She would sing a few lyrics. You know. <laughs> I love that when you completely vibe with someone. You, you don't really need any language. It's just right. silly jokes. Right, right. That's right. all it is. Have you ever heard the phrase that you are either as a person a radiator or a drain? You either radiate or you drain. And I'm going to say that you are clearly a radiator. I'm going to take it further and say that you are actually an open range fire with crackling logs that are giving off warm rays to everyone who gathers round. Now, a little bird tells me, maybe it's the album title, The Christmas Wish, that gives it away. You are a fan of Christmas. Very much so. Okay. What is Christmas like at Gregory Potter's house? Well, there's a couple of things that have to happen. There has to be some things in the air. And the music is Nat King Cole, his Christmas album. Jets nuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. That has to be flowing through the air. Yeah. The smells have got to be the sweet potato, the turkey, the cinnamon, the allspice, the nutmeg. And this... Sweet and savory, yeah. that is a Christmas dinner, has to be mixing in the air. Do you use any of your mum's old recipes? Absolutely. But I, my mother's recipes, they're just in my hands. I don't, I don't, I don't need the paper. <laughs> my, sisters, my sisters have my mother's recipes, and they cover them. Nobody can even see the things. I've never, I haven't, I, I, know, I cook with her. So I, yeah. <laughs> I have them, so, but I don't, even, I don't have any of her written down uh, recipes, but um, they're in my hands. And um, so that smell, I want my children to have that smell, the smell of my mother's house. So I've, I've learned how to do those things and how to create that smell in the air. And um, yeah, the sweet potato pies, the candied yams, the um, cornbread dressing. The gravy, the turkey, mixing with the sound of music, music and food, it really connected to me uh, at Christmas time. And uh, this Christmas album, Christmas Wish, is this idea to go back to this nostalgic feeling, this desire for a simpler time, a soulful, real time. And I hope people listen to it and feel both the real reason and the desire uh, that I have in my Christmas witch, which is for people to be whole and to have peace. And yeah, yeah, the beautiful nostalgia that is Christmas. Finally, you've talked about songs of gifts. Hmm. Just to get these festive vibes flowing, can you give me the gift of a Christmas song? Um, yes. Help me just to pass this test of time. I wish that I was blind. 
strange thing to wish for, but I just can't unsee all this misery. But everything's not lost, cause Christmas and New Year's is coming on strong. Everything's not lost, cause Christmas and New Year's is coming on strong. Everything is not lost, cause Christmas and New Year's is coming on strong. Good tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. This is my Christmas wish. Gregory Porter, thanks for comfort eating with me. I'm a bit choked. Yeah, it was all my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. This episode of Comfort Eating was produced by Ruth Abrahams. The executive producer is Lucy Greenwell. The music was written by Axel Cacoutier. Mixing and sound design was by Solomon King. If you love comfort eating, then please go and leave us a review and a rating. It is so helpful to us. And you can follow or subscribe so you never miss a single episode. See you next week. This is The Guardian. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 